and I would covet your prayers and your attention this evening. A year ago, before I left the building after the election, I was thinking about tonight. For a year, this moment has been my companion. I've prayed for God to show me, to speak to me. Then I trembled at the multiple early morning times when just the two of us shared both the darkness of night and then the breaking light of a new day. There have been times when I've, I've had to be careful not to get tears in my laptop keyboard as I typed up my notes. I think I've heard from the Most High. But if I've missed it, please forgive me. I want to speak tonight on long enough. Long enough. I'll begin with Deuteronomy chapter 1 and start at verse number 5. On this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare the law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey, and go in the mount of the Amorites and into all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale and in the south and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord God swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. You can be seated. I'm going to have a lot of scriptures, so don't stand up for the more for the others. You'll be standing more than necessary. Paul Smith wrote a book that was called Lead with a Story. And so tonight I'm going to start with story. Now, this is a story that I heard one time somewhere between 60 and 65 years ago, and some of you can't even imagine that. But it was uh, a story about the rescue club. I'm starting it, I've rephrased a little of it, but I'm starting it with a, a well-known introduction. It was a dark and stormy night. And nearly everyone in the village was settled securely behind closed doors. But uh, there were three fishing crews that had been late getting in because of the storm, and they were still securing their boats. And above the howling of the wind and the pounding of the waves, they heard the crash of splintering wood and then the faint cries for help. Quickly, they launched out into the storm, and not for the first time did they rescue some sailors shipwrecked on their rugged coast. After the storm had passed and the survivors had dispersed, the villagers, hoping to be more prepared and effective in their often needed aid, met to discuss their situation, and they formed a rescue squad. They... Uh, uh, would watch, set a watch for stormy times. Various ones would take the, their places, and, and uh, they set aside certain boats that would be always prepared for the perilous duty. The rescue club was a, a great success. Uh, the prepared boats and the designated crews meant that there were sailors that would have been lost to the waves that now, because of the quick action and the preparedness were saved and uh, fewer, fewer sailors were lost to the waves. More villagers were recruited to help stand watch and 
Occasionally, a rescued sailor would settle in the village, and some that had gone off even came back to be involved with the rescue club. More boats were designated and put into rescue service. They decided that they needed a larger place to store and to work on the boats. We got to expand this thing. It's, uh, it, there's a need here. And so while they were building, they were going to fix up a place as well that the crews could stay inside out of the weather until it was time for them to uh, be needed. And that meant that they had to buy lumber, and furniture, and all the fixings that go with a building project, and many of you are well familiar with that. So they started paying dues, and then they organized fundraisers. And uh, they had uh, parties and sales and projects and get-togethers, and, and uh, they enjoyed each other's company. They found out that uh, they, they really enjoyed being together, and so that, that activity made the village closer together. And after a little while, the socials outnumbered the training sessions. And after the Treasury was well on its way and they were seeing that they were going to be able to do this, a committee was formed to redesign the boathouse. And this august group of uh, people were uh, looking at what they were already doing. They were taking that into account. And as they did so, they uh, made several changes. They made several proposals. And these proposals were readily accepted by the membership uh, a membership that now had a majority that had never been out on a rescue mission. They decided, first of all, that they were going to build farther up from the beach so that uh, they wouldn't get sand in their shoes and spray in their hair and, and uh, they could, you know, be a little more comfortable there. And... Uh, the boat storage area was expanded. They had been using more boats. But then they decided, let's make it better, and we'll just close it in on all sides, and we can heat it and cool it, and that can be where we hold our meetings. And so as they did that, the, the room that they had des designated as an infirmary for in injured sailors was turned into a kitchen. See where this is going? The watchstanders became the social committee. Now, they didn't, they didn't change their name. They were still the watchstanders, but they were the social committee now. And uh, the rescue club was the group to join. Everybody who was anybody wanted to be part of the rescue club. Well, there came another dark and stormy night. But this was the night of the launching. What's the launching? Well, that was the big to-do of the year, the big gathering for the rescue club. And as the members were all dressed up in their finest, now, it wasn't all that good, but it was their finest. And uh, umbrellas protected them from the rain, and they were far enough from the, from the coast itself that uh, they no longer had to walk through the sand, and the ocean spray didn't mess up their hairdos and so on and their clothes as they entered into the boathouse. They could no longer hold boats. On the downbeat, the band started up the song and they played the music, and after a little while, the, the members of the rescue club began to produce a volume that was beginning to rival that of the noise outside. Yes, it was a dark and stormy night, and nearly everyone in the village was settled securely behind the closed doors of the rescue club.
But three fishing crews had come in late because of the storm. They'd gotten in late, and they were securing their boats for the night. When above the sound of the wind and the surf, they, and the noise that was coming from the boathouse, they heard the sound of splintering wood, and in a little bit, the faint cries for help. Those people launched out into the sea, and they, not for the first time, rescued folks off their rugged coast. The Rescue Club. Now, I'm going to change gears. But COVID-19, whatever you think of it, and I, there are varied opinions among us and among others, but whatever you think of it, however you've reacted to it, has changed our world. Both by the disease and by the reactions to it. And it's not yet through shifting beneath our feet. None of us yet knows, nor probably will live long enough to know, all of the ramifications and the extent of the changes that are now underway. The pandemic has started a widespread domino effect that's just beginning. The world has changed. Let me say that again. The world has changed. And it will continue to change. We've not yet perceived the dimensions of the difference that is around us. Many long for a return to normal. Others are willing to settle for a new normal. But folks, we have been granted an opportunity to build a new old model of church. We don't need to continue to search for a shoehorn to try to put the genie back in this bottle. It's not going. We face an opportunity to return in many ways to a first century model. We can, like the children of Israel, long for the leeks and the garlic of Egypt, the spices, the, the, the flavorful things. We can go crying, give us an onion, while all around us lies the manna of opportunity to restore even more of the pattern that Jesus gave us. Let me take you back. Here comes the historical event. To a traumatic, yeah, it was a seismic societal shift some centuries back. In the mid-14th century, even before America was discovered, European society found itself locked into a pattern of life that did not bode well for the future development of humanity. The land had been so divided through inheritance that it was almost impossible to raise enough food to feed your family. So social mobility was nil. What you were born was what you died. That was it. You were stuck into this world that was teetering on the brink of some Malthusian catastrophe. There came from the East the Black Death, manifesting itself as bubonic, pneumonic, and septicemic plague, the Black Death. From 1347 
1353, the Black Death took between 40 and 50% of the European population, they died. We just reached a, a million for this whole thing here in the United States, but 50%. If there, you have a, a village of 1,000, 500 of them would die. The elites died. The clergy died. The commoners died. Soldiers died. Priests abandoned their perishing parishes. Officials died, leaving a vacuum of leadership. Hey, I understand better than I ever have before that I, I, I really appreciate those that came before me. Oh, it looks easy. Oh, if it were only half as easy as it looks. But there was a there was a vacuum of leadership. People didn't know how to how to do things. They they uh, abandoned one another. Friends and family abandoned each other for fear of the plague. Just walked off and left them. And then divided lands were merged as survivors received sometimes multiple inheritances. Land began to be come back together, and, and the merchant class began to rise in power, and, and they married into the nobility so that there was now a, a combining of the new wealth of the merchants with the power, influence of the uh, often newly impoverished nobles, and society took a, a major shift. In the Catholic Church, Indulgences became a, a major thing as they sold the, what was called indulgences. That was, it became a major force and it resulted 160 years later. That's why I said we may, may not be alive to see the dimensions of what we've just gone through. But 160 years later, it was because of those indulgences and their excesses that Martin Luther nailed the theses to the cathedral door and the Reformation began. You can trace it back. Suddenly, society was unlocked. New craftsmen... replaced the old ones that had died and left no progeny that could hold on to that niche. Social mobility went into high gear, and people that would have not had a chance at all to advance suddenly were on the rise socially. They were going places. Landowners now had enough land that they could raise food to sell and not just to feed their family. Trade began to flourish as the, as the waves of the plague receded. Some economists have proposed that the rise of the working class, not just serfs, but a working class, craftsmen and so on, following the cultural upheaval of the Black Plague was misinterpreted by Karl Marx as he founded uh, or laid the foundations of communism. He may have made a mistake about what caused which. And while the recent pandemic is nowhere to be compared to the Black Death, the dislocations are still underway. Look for baby food, filled up the gas tank, Dislocations that are still underway are not limited just to the medieval plague of the Black Death. This worldwide thing, is its, its reach and effect is everywhere. 
For years, we'll experience the aftershocks, the shutdowns, the panic. Some people, are, I, I don't know if they'll ever be right again insofar as being comfortable, just living. Now, since we can't go back to business as usual, have you noticed that things have changed? Things have changed. Then this is a terrific time for us to review where we are in relation to the place we ought to be. We've got a tremendous window of opportunity here. To not be stuck in yesterday. We can examine not only our interface with the world around us, but we can also take a good hard look at how we line up with what Jesus told us to do. How much of what we have come to accept as the way to do things would have a hard time passing the original intent of the scriptures. I'm challenging tonight, I'm not giving you a formula. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm challenging you to examine tonight. I don't know how we'll go away from here, but I hope we go away thinking. I hope we go away praying. I hope we go away seeking the Lord. By my preaching tonight, I'm, I'm not holding myself out as a, a pattern or a paragon of, of all of this stuff. I'm just like you. I'm a pilgrim in progress. You may not agree with what I'm about to say, but I plead with you to think. Think it through instead of just re rejecting without consideration. I may say a thing or two that will jar you. Please do not reject everything just because of some of my phrasing. I'm going to say some things that are accepted and challenge them. Let's see if we can find a roadmap for the days ahead. And I just happen to have a few scriptures. I'm going to start with Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, now that's plenty, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and teach. And that teach means disciple. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We know what that means. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 45. Some of you already got the pattern. Then he opened their understanding. Oh, God, do that to us. Open my understanding. We got a lot of knowledge. I'm not sure that we've got a, as much understanding. And on top of that, layer it real thick with wisdom. But he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. That tells me that you can know the Scriptures without understanding them. And he said unto them, this is Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I'm running over dozens of good messages right here this evening. Then we go to Mark 16, beginning with verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Give them the good news to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. 
And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. We're good on that one. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. If, if you bring snakes, where do you want the door put? They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. I hope you understand that part too. And they went forth and preached everywhere. You'll notice I've got, I had them emphasize some of these words. The Lord working with them. And confirming the word with signs following. Word. John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he'd said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Not you can be. You might be. After four years of Bible school, you possibly might. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and so far I'm not in this. But the next words catch everybody in this building and under the uttermost part of the earth. How much farther from Jerusalem can you get? According to the scriptures, next slide, please. We have just read these scriptures, and the church has two main jobs, evangelism and discipleship. That's it. Oh, there's a lot of periphery stuff. But, but our job, our part, what we do, is evangelism and discipleship. Not as, well, let me, let me go. Oh, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm just not sure these are always our main focus. I've been bothered for years about something I've both experienced and I've, I've seen it repeated with other folks. As a founding pastor, I know the labor of beginning a congregation. The prayers, the Bible studies, the following up on contacts, the endless series of seeming failures and disappointments, the bushel basket full of promises that produces less than a teaspoon of performance. 
I also know the thrill of beginning a congregation. The lady who didn't stop speaking in tongues until the next afternoon. The hippie that was stretched out across the front of the church and lay there praying and weeping, crying out to God for over an hour and a half. The skeptical lineman that his first words back in English while he was still kneeling at the altar, as he looked up, he said, I got it, I got it, I got it. I know those things. I've experienced them. I've seen it. And then I discovered the other side of all of this. Administration. Now, some of that can be delegated. Facilities can, taking care of that can be parceled out. I don't have to mow the lawn all the time. Special speakers can be brought in. But the adult nursery is the bane to the spirit and probably to the spirit with capital S. Now, I'm not talking about discipleship. Hang with me here. I'm talking about dealing with pettiness and immaturity. I'm talking about dealing with the selfishness and the ego of those for whom Christ died. I feel like that I can sympathize with the frustration of the writer of the book of Hebrews when he said in Hebrews 5, beginning with verse 12, but when the time that ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and have become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There, I therefore leaving, the, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, laying again the foundation, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and re resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This, this describes way too many of those warming pews and occasionally pulpits. Something's amiss from the apostolic pattern. Jesus left us a commission. That commission is to teach, it's to preach, to disciple, to baptize, to feed, and to witness. That's our job. To settle for less is a dereliction of duty. We can get so wound up in focusing on three Bs, bodies, buildings, and budgets, until we forget the commission that God has sent us to fulfill. We don't need to wait to be empowered We hear that, empower them. They need to be empowered. If a direct command from the king of kings doesn't give us all the authority and all the power that we need, I suspect, If that doesn't give us what we need, I suspect that your and my poor powers to add or detract 
will have little effect on the matter. We need to concentrate on the main business Jesus commanded us to do. I told you I'm not a pattern, I'm not a paragon. I'm, I'm seeing this too. Having good church is not a commandment of the Lord. <laughs> the thing is, we often define good church by things that please us instead of what obeys him. If we had a good time, if we got thrilled, if our favorites were featured, if we went away satisfied, titillated, and pleased, that was good church. Church can become another social club. Now, it's one with different admission standards, but it's a club organized and geared for the pleasure of its members. It can become another mechanism just to satiate many of the same fleshly, carnal desires of association and belonging that other groups meet by their contacts. There was a large church in Bartlesville that teetered on the brink of a split. They had over a thousand members. And they teetered on the brink, brink of a split because they couldn't agree on what songs to sing. And so they finally settled the dispute by having a traditional service and a contemporary service. Not realizing, they, they stayed in the same building, but they didn't realize that they had split in fact, if not in name. Mutual submission lost the battle to the desires of the flesh in that, in that realm. When, when they could just as easily have sung a mixture of songs, some of the old-time favorites and some of the new stuff that I'm not all that much a fan of. But I'll sing it. When I pastored, I, I told the congregation, I don't like some of the songs we sing. But this is not about me. Not about what I like. And you're never going to know which ones I don't like because I'm going to sing them just as loud. It's not about me. It's not about you either. If they had, a, if they had a figured out some way to, to work together, they could have increased their unified outreach and example to the community. Instead, they were effectively split. So let's look at what that original pattern was. The commission to preach, teach, disciple, baptize, feed, and witness was given to the church Anybody here in the church? Anybody here in the church? Can, can, can I get a witness here in the church? Now, those, those commandments, that commission was given to the church, not just a specialized, specifically trained elite ministry. The church, the church. We say we bring the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church, but how's that last part working out? How many sit among us 
whose major Christian commitment is to show up for an hour or two occasionally. And how many, hang on, you might want to put your helmet on and fasten your seatbelt. How many are considered faithful merely on the basis of regular attendance and giving? Told you I was going to try to make you think. Could it be that part of the problem is that we're speaking improperly? We're using phrases that, that lead us to incorrect thinking and then resulting in, in misguided activities. And here's the place where I want you to, I don't want you to run screaming through the petunias. But we, we speak of planning churches and church growth, and Brother Sistrunk did a marvelous job last night talking about that kind of stuff. Marvelous job. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against what he was saying. I'm just wanting us to, to think about how it affects us when we use those terminologies. Such speaks directs our thoughts in certain channels and prompts actions that, that may not be in line with our commission. See, a, a group of brethren was erecting a, a new building for a, a, a young congregation in, in Tulsa. I happened to be down there with, with uh, several other churches, that church groups that had gathered together and we were building the building, and they, we came to a, a, a point where there was a, a, a question about what we were going to do, how we were going to do it, and, and uh, we just didn't know how to proceed. And then the, the pastor, Brother Lawrence Morrison, who had fairly recently retired from the military, was the pastor. And uh, as we were discussing the problem, I watched him as he mentally put his uniform back on and stood a little straighter. And he suddenly spoke up and he said, the mission, what is the mission? That will determine what we do. The mission, what is the mission? Preach, teach, disciple. Baptize, feed. The mission of the church is to teach, to preach, to disciple, to baptize, to feed, to witness. That's our job. Others may have other duties. There may be other things that other people in this world are called to do. And, uh, but if we're in the church, that's our job. The mission of the church is to preach, to teach to baptize, to disciple, to feed, to witness. That's our job. If you're in the church, that's, that's your commission. We're not empowering you. Jesus empowered you. And then, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. We're not planning the churches. Jesus is planning the churches. We're not growing the churches. Jesus is growing the churches. We're just doing what he tells us to do. One of the reasons so many people get discouraged, and, and I think I heard somebody saying that seven 1,700 preachers, what was it, in a, a month, are quitting. Now, that's all denominations. But 1,700 preachers a month are quitting the ministry because partially they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They get discouraged because the church is not growing. They get upset because it's, it's not like they planned it to be. There's never been anything worked out like I planned it to be. How about you?
Make your plan. Then you know what won't happen. I will build my church. He said, you preach, you teach, you baptize, you disciple, you feed, you witness. I'll build the church. If you'll do your part, I'll do my part. We've got it all backwards. We think we're supposed to build a church. That's not our job. Get out of his way. Do what you're supposed to do. If, if your boss on the job caught you off in some other department interfering with what somebody else is supposed to be doing, you'd be fired or at least written up and then fired. We've got a job to do. We've got a commission. I, I think it is very plain from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts what our commission is. Go do it. Not if you're called and licensed and, and all of those things and, and got more degrees than a thermometer. That's not it. If you're repented of your sin, baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got a commission. He'll do his part. I just want to make sure I'm doing my part of our part. I don't know how many times over the last 50 plus none of your business years that I've heard folks longing to see more of a move of the Spirit, signs and wonders, miracles. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here of those that you'd, that you'd like to see more miracles. I'm, I'm, I don't know about miracles because usually that means somebody's in so much trouble they couldn't, there's no other way out. But we, we want to move the Spirit. But Mark preached, or he tied all of his actions to our actions. As they preached everywhere, the Lord worked with them. If we're not working, he can't work with us. And he confirmed the word. It can't be our ideas. It can't be our ways. It can't be our particular little idiosyncrasies, it's got to be the Word. Right. So it'd be a pretty good idea to know a little about the Word. If you don't realize that that was just a plug for Bible quizzing. Get the Word in our young people. I just did. But they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, with signs following. No witness, no word, there was nothing to confirm. We've got to give him something to work with. Here I am, Lord. Okay, you're here. Now I've got a now I've got a job for you. Go witness, go preach, go teach, go baptize, go disciple, go go feed. Go. No witness, no word. There's nothing to confirm. Long enough. We have camped in Horeb's shadow, only freed from bondage. Long enough, we've just rejoiced in our own liberty. Long enough, 
We've been satisfied that we're out of Egypt. Long enough. We've sat hearing the thunder from on high and assembling at the tabernacle of meeting. And we like it there. But it's been long enough. I started out by saying we've been granted a tremendous opportunity. We don't have to be stuck in yesterday. If you've ever wanted to try something new, this is a golden opportunity. If you've ever wanted to break out, this is the, the, the door is unlocked and open. Why are you doing that? Well, we're just trying new things. Long enough, the Lord, or, or we have prepared to take the land. How much do you need to know before you march out and do something? God led Israel to Horeb, but Horeb was a waypoint, not the destination. Long enough, after long enough, it was time to move. God wasn't angry with them that they had been there all that time and they'd spent that much time and energy there. He had brought them there. But they, they, there came a time when it was long enough. I don't think God's mad with what we've done. But I think it's long enough to be just doing what we've done so I was talking to someone, and he mentioned, if you just do what you've done, all you'll get is what you've got. God's given us a golden opportunity. I'm not here tonight with some Jeremiah of condemnation. No, 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 don't, don't take that this way, that this, this, that away. And, and don't worry, as I used this phrase this morning, don't worry about fixing the blame. I don't know that there is any blame. Let's fix the problem. It's been long enough. It's been long enough. And I'm not here like John sending some kind of personalized letters from a symbolic patentist. I don't know what you ought to do. I don't have specific answer for your city. Some of your cities I've never even been in yet. But if you'll meet him, he'll give you some direction. Or your your district superintendent, oh that's that's the that's the height of, of what you can achieve. You know, no, it's not. I'll tell you the time that I feel like, I gotta, I gotta quit, but that I was the, of some of the most use to the kingdom of God was not behind the pulpit. It was working a job and getting a chance to witness. we're not careful, this will cut us off from people. This will get us away from people. Folks talk about the year that I baptized over four dozen people. There's around, around 50 youngsters, young, young college-age people. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, but it started on the job, witnessing, talking, preaching. Doing, doing, doing. Tonight, I call us to reanalyze what we've been doing. To commit to the commission. And leave here to teach, preach, 
disciple, not just the preachers, everybody. Baptize, feed, and witness. This not, may not be in line with our usual apostolic way of doing things or Pentecostal way of doing things, but I'm going to close this right now by asking everybody that will to find a place to pray. That's the only, only thing I've got. We've been here long enough. We've been doing what we're doing long enough. Altars open. Pray at the pew, at the seats there. Let's find a place where we can talk to God. Oh, God, it's been long enough. Dear Lord, it's been long enough. It's long enough. It's time to move. It's time to take a journey. It's time to do something else. It's time to go beyond what we've ever done. It's time to be involved with preaching and teaching. Amen. It's time to be baptizing folks. It's time to be witnessing about what the good Lord's done for me. I don't have to tell them about the mark of the beast, but I can tell them that he found somebody that was a sinner, lost and away from God, and he'd done, he done something for me. Oh, God. I feel like we've heard from heaven today. Hallelujah. And it's been long enough just going through the motions. Come on. I want us to pray. Uh, I feel like the Lord has given us something, uh, and it can't just be something that we've heard. We've got to take this home. God, uh, let us go back to the basics. Come on. Uh, let's say we've been going through church service long enough, and we've gone through the motions long enough. Come on. We're going to leave this conference, uh, hallelujah, imparted uh, with Holy Ghost anointing and power. He's already given it to us. Uh, hallelujah. God, it's long enough enough, Lord. Uh, help us, Lord, to get back to the basics, uh, Lord, of teaching and preaching, uh, Lord, of loving and caring. Uh, hallelujah, God. It's about lost souls uh, more than anything else, Lord God. Uh, pour it in us, Lord God. Uh, every young minister, Lord, every young man and woman that's in this house, Lord, uh, God, we have heard from you today. Uh, help us, Lord God. Uh, Lord, not just to go and have church, uh, but God, help us to realize we are the church uh, of the Most High, and we have already been imparted and been given power, hallelujah, to lay hands on uh, people, to pray for people, to impart into people, hallelujah. Come on, God is already, uh, hallelujah, giving it to us. Uh, we've been going through the motions long enough. Uh, it's time, uh, hallelujah, that we begin to operate uh, like God has told us to do. Uh, in the last days, saith God, uh, I'm going to pour out my spirit uh, on all flesh. Come on, it's going to happen on your job. It's going to happen in your school. It's going to happen in your community. Hallelujah. But it can't happen if we're just uh, sitting in church doing the norm. Hallelujah. We've been doing this long enough, God. Help us. Uh, pour it in us today, God. Pour it on us today, God. Help us to go home different. Uh, help us to go home changed. Uh, hallelujah, God. We've heard from you. Uh, come on. Uh, hallelujah. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. Lay hands on yourself. Uh, say, God, it's time. It's time, Lord. I believe it, Lord. Help me to be a part of the last day revival. Help me be a part of what you're doing, Lord, in the last days. Help me, Lord, be a part of the church that you're coming back for. Busy, occupying until you come. Help me to teach more Bible studies. Help me, Lord, to spend more time reaching for the lost. Reaching Lord God, for those that you're drawing. Come on, God is drawing people. He's sending people your way. We've been waiting long enough. It's time to be the church of the living God. It's time that we operate the way that God says we operated. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Let's be about his business. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Come on, reach over and touch somebody. Grab somebody by the hand. Hallelujah, encourage someone right now. Hallelujah, encourage someone else right now. Lord, help us do it together. Help us, Lord, to reach, Lord, our community. Help us, Lord God, not just to go through the motions. We've been there long enough, God. We're going to be active. We're going to be busy. We're going to do it. Hallelujah. I know I'm already empowered. I've already got the anointing. I don't need to wait no longer. I don't need to wait no longer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, encourage our district, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to hear from heaven today. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to hear your word today. Thank you, Lord God, for imparting, Lord, in this body of Christ today, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for the revival, Lord, that we, Lord, are feeling in our churches. Hallelujah. We waited long enough. It's time. For that revival, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Got your hiking boots, lace them up. It's time to move. It's been long enough. <laughs> Elder D'Amico, would you? Come and dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your wonderful mercy and your grace, for your direction, Lord, for your leading us, God, for the wisdom that we've heard tonight, God, hallelujah, through your word, your redirection, Lord, to get us back focused, God, on the true mission, Lord, which you've called us to do, God. I thank God for the men of God that, God, we're surrounded with in this district, God, for the leadership. I thank God for, God, you speaking to us tonight.
and for your wonderful grace, God, and mercy, God. God, have your way within every church, Lord, within this district and those churches that are going to be planted, God, in this next year and the future, God. For, God, we're believing in revival, God. We're believing what we've heard, God. And we're going to take it from this building, God. God, out into the streets and into the byways, God, and into the places, Lord, that you've asked us to go, God. God, be with us, Lord God. Hallelujah. As we, God, go and do what you've asked us to do, God. Confirm the word, God, through us, Lord. And, and God, have your way. We'll give you praise and we'll give you glory. We ask it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise. The youth and hyphen have a gathering over in the fellowship hall. I believe they're going to go get fast food or something and come back. And we're going to have a meet and greet over there. So they'll, they'll know what to do, where to go. God bless you. Thank you for being in conference this year, for the tremendous cooperation that we've had. Lord bless you, and you are dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.